The United Nations is sponsoring a meeting in Marrakesh next week, during which nations in attendance will sign on to a global compact for migration. Among the provisions of the compact are those that could, if made law, forbid forbid any discussion of the negative effects of migration and punish media outlets that allow such discussions to take place. Thus, under such a UN-sponsored law, it might become illegal to say that the UN's migration compact is a piece of tyrannical garbage promoted by one of the most corrupt and abusive organizations in the world, filled with unaccountable power-mad chuckleheads for whom a piece of prime Manhattan real estate has been set aside in order that they might have a place to cheat on their wives while they misuse their diplomatic privileges by double parking before wandering indoors to empower lawless groups of blue-helmeted stormtroopers to sweep through some of the poorest nations on earth, raping women and children so that no sane person in this world would give a hair on a rat's ass what the UN thinks of migration or anything else and should instead remember that the U in UN stands for unelected worthless dirtbags and the N stands for not elected worthless dirtbags, all of whom should be stopped before they overrule the sovereign will of free peoples with the absurd fiats of smug and belligerent bureaucrats and the fat dictators who have empowered them to allow illegal invaders to pillage a Western world they did not build and can't understand, rather than sending these wannabe terrorists back to the crap hole countries from which they came. And since saying that would be illegal, citizens of member nations would only be allowed to make such remarks as, oh look, migrants, mutilating the genitals of little girls. What a quaint and delightful custom. So I hope the representatives have a good time signing the Global Compact for Migration, Then I hope someone crumples it up and makes them eat it. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-dee. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. Hooray, hooray. We are back. And uh, tomorrow is the ma- is mailbag day, as you know. So you should get ready. If you are a subscriber, you should go to the uh, to dailywire.com, click on the podcast button, hit the Andrew Claven podcast, hit the mailbag, and ask me any question that you want. You can ask about religion. You can ask about your personal life. You can ask about politics. And all my answers are guaranteed 100% correct. So you have nothing to lose, and they will change your life. So you might have something to lose, unless they change it for the better, which occasionally they do. Uh, and if you're not a subscriber... Why not? You should subscribe. It's only 10 bucks a month. It's 100 bucks for the year, and you get the leftist tears. Tumblr with that. You get Another Kingdom, the wonderful story starring Michael Knowles. And you get Knowles' show and Shapiro's show and all kinds of things. It's a great deal. Plus the merch store. I think you get some discounts there, I hope. And, uh, and all kinds of things. It really is a good deal. You know what you should also get? You should get the Lefties Dictionary. If you have not gotten the Lefties Dictionary uh, for Christmas, for somebody for Christmas, Christmas cannot come. Go on and get uh, that at Amazon.com. That is my book uh, that tells you what all the what all the people what the people who don't know what they're talking about are talking about. You'll be able to understand lefties at last. Plus, Christmas is coming, and you know what that is like. You me, means that about five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, your kids are going to be bouncing on the bed saying, "Santa is here! Santa is here! Wake up! Wake up!" You're going to need some Black Rifle coffee. Black Rifle coffee is the only coffee company out there that gives a portion of their sales to veteran and first responder causes and 
It is really, really good coffee. Black Rifle Coffee is roast to order, guaranteeing you fresh, delicious coffee with every order. Black Rifle's Coffee Club makes things easy. Just pick your blend and the amount you want, and Black Rifle will ship your coffee right to your door every month, hassle free. And Black Rifle Coffee makes giving the gift of great tasting coffee easy by offering three, six, and 12 month prepaid and pay as you go subscriptions available for gifting. And like I said, it really is good coffee, the best tasting, most energizing, and they help veterans and first responder causes. Black Rifle Coffee is the gift that keeps on giving. Visit blackrifle.com slash Clavin and receive 15% off your order. That's blackrifle.com slash Clavin for 15% off blackrifle.com slash, how do you spell it? It's K-L-A-V-A-N, no E's in Claven. I just make it look this easy, I know, it's amazing. All around the world, elites are hearing the voice of the people and they want it to stop. I mean, this is an amazing thing. Whatever you think of Donald Trump, whatever you think of some of the uh, more populist nationalist leaders who are rising up in Europe, Whatever you think, whether you love Trump or hate these guys or whatever, it doesn't matter. You do have to understand that the people are voting for them. They are sending a message to the elites of the world. And so Donald Trump, he may not be saying things the way you like them. You may not like him. You may love him. It doesn't matter. But he's saying something. He is bringing a message from the people to the people in power. Have you heard anybody, have you heard anybody who's anti-Trump, even one person, say out loud, you know, I don't like this guy, but the people did elect him, so maybe there's something I should be listening to. You know, have you heard one news outlet, one one newsman anywhere say, you know, I don't like Donald Trump. He's always attacking me, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I should change. Maybe we should reform our industry a little bit so both sides get a say. Not one, not one person. Has a leftist person, has one leftist person said, you know... I, you know, I don't like this Trump guy and he's yelling at me. He's kind of right wing. But maybe the people are trying to tell me that instead of being obsessed over the 0.04 percent of people who think they're the opposite sex, maybe we should be thinking about, you know, putting food on people's tables and helping the job situation. Has any leftist? I haven't heard a single leftist say that. Has one never Trumper? You know, these these are the people that, of course, they always get us because they're most like us. But has one never Trumper said, you know, I do hate Donald Trump, and yet, and yet, maybe the people are telling me that all my pretty theories weren't doing the things that conservatism is supposed to do, like keep people free, like convince people not to vote for leftist morons. Maybe there was a problem that made it possible for Donald Trump to wipe these people away. No. The answer is no. None of these people has done any of that. The press just cling. I mean, the press has just become worse. They've doubled down on their hatred, not just of Donald Trump, but of the people who elected him, us. They, they tell themselves, oh, you know, it was Vladimir Putin. He was, uh, you know, oh, man, he, that Putin, it was Russia. Russia was hiding under every sin- single voting machine, pulling the levers so that that's how Donald Trump get, got elected. They tell themselves that, you know, it, we're racist. That's why we elected Trump. We want to we want to be racist. Never mind. Never mind the fact that you know black people are working more, that their jobs, their uh, income is going up. Never mind all that. The reason we voted for Donald Trump is because we don't like our fellow Americans if they don't have the right color skin. It's got to be it. It's got to be it. Because otherwise, you'd have to listen to what he's saying. You have to listen at least to what the people were saying by sending them there. And so, let me just show you. I want to sh- show you some clips today of elites 
with their heads planted so far up their backsides that it, you may not be able to hear their voices. I mean, here is just a hilarious piece. I just want to show you how, how rigidly, how completely, how with how much effort they want to silence the voices of the people they are supposed to serve, okay? Here is, there's, there's a uh, climate change meeting. It started yesterday. It's in Poland. So, of course, everybody flew to the climate change meeting, uh, emitting what they say are 55,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide, the g- greenhouse gas that the UN officials are trying to keep from accumulating in the atmosphere. Uh, this, this thing is just absolutely, but elites, elites get to do this because they get, are talking about climate change. So the fact that they're destroying the climate with their jet planes and their traveling, that doesn't matter. So David Attenborough, right? He is the famous uh, naturalist. He's done a lot of these PBS specials. He's become very famous. He gets up and gives a speech. Listen carefully to what he is telling the gathered poobahs of uh, climate uh, panic. Right now, we're facing a man-made disaster of global scale. Our greatest threat in thousands of years, climate change. If we don't take action, the collapse of our civilizations and the extinction of much of the natural world is on the horizon. The world's people have spoken. Their message is clear. Time is running out. They want you, the decision makers, to act now. They're behind you, along with civil society represented here today, supporting you in making tough decisions, but also willing to make sacrifices in their daily lives. The people are behind you. They support you and they're willing to make sacrifices. So let's go from there to Paris where the people were asked to pay, make the sacrifice of paying an extra tax on their petrol, on their gasoline. Let's go where our friends from Rebel Media are covering the support of the people for the sacrifices that you have to make in order to get the elites to stop gabbing about climate change. Here they are. We're outside the Arc de Triomphe. You might see I'm squinting my face a little bit. There's tear gas everywhere, and obviously I don't have goggles. Um, we were planning a quiet morning uh, filming, expecting the protests to start in the afternoon, but they've started early. It's probably going to get a lot more intense than this, but I was receiving messages from French people again last night, and what's amazing about this protest is the polls show that up to 85% of people in France actually support this movement. I mean, understandable. Taxes are insane, and there's more being proposed. Uh, But what I also was sent was footage of police officers removing their helmets in protest and in solidarity with the people marching here. Uh, Big movement. It's only starting. I'm sure it'll get bigger during the rest of the day. The people are behind you. Unfortunately, they're coming up behind you with a gigantic club, which they're going to beat you into the ground because they don't think climate change is worth paying extra taxes for. So get the tear gas ready. Otherwise, you're going to be hearing the voice of the people shouting in your ear. You'll hear how much they support you as they pick you up and throw you into the sand. I mean, could people be any more clueless? Could they be any more? The people are behind you, ready to make the sacrifices that they, oh my goodness, here they come. I must go. So long. I'm running away now. 
Stamps.com. You heard me talking about it yesterday. If you were watching the Daily Wire backstage, if you weren't, you should go back and watch it. I love Stamps.com. Stamps.com is brings the all the services of the post office into your computer. We love the post office. They do a great job. But like everything else, you want it in your computer. You don't have time to drive down there, especially if you live in L.A., where five miles is 40, 50 minutes away. You want everything in your computer. And I like it because I'm old enough to remember when you did this with a stamp and you had to lick it and it tasted of glue. And now it's like I said, like, look, Ma, look, you put the thing in the computer and the computer the gizmo and the stamp comes out. It is it is really, really terrific. You can print postage any day, anytime. Stance.com is always open and it saves you time and it saves you money. Right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. That's Stamps.com, and enter Claven, and you can send your mail right away with the question, how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. You know, there used to be a funny story about one of the great television writers, uh, there still is a funny story about one of the great television writers, Stephen Cannell. And I, I got to know uh, Stephen just a few years before he died. We became kind of pals. And he's the guy who wrote the Rockford Files. and He wrote the A-Team. He was just a major, major uh, contributor to television. And there was a story about him pitching an idea. I think it was about illegal immigration. I think it was about immigrants you know, coming into the country or something. He was pitching this idea in a room. And somebody said, well, what do you do about all the complex politics because it was a comedy and he said what do you do with all the complex politics and all the kind of edgy stuff and Stephen said we won't write it <laughs> I think that that is what the news media is doing with these riots in Paris these riots I mean what has happened is Emmanuel Macron said that somehow they had to cut back this is this carbon tax thing is very very popular among the elites they love the idea of carbon tax they think it's going to save the world and so the French the French who don't really pollute all that much in the first place and their driving doesn't pollute all that much but it pollutes a higher percentage than in Germany because Germany idiotically shut down all their nuclear power plants so because they got scared of the uh, of the disaster in Japan, so they shut down one of the safest, least polluting uh, energy sources they had, and now they can say, "Oh, you know, it's a it, our um, our our." cars uh, are not as polluting as our other things because they shut down their clean nuclear power plants. So in France, he wanted to cut down how much pollution was coming out of their cars, puts on this tax. The poor people there, you know, they got something like an 8%. I don't remember the exact number, but it's like an 8% unemployment. Their GDP is under 2%. So they're not doing very well. And the last thing they need is a tax, especially out in the countryside where you need your car to get to work. So what do the networks here do? They just don't, they do what Canal said, they just don't write it. Here are the Nets reporting on these riots. Listen to what you don't hear. You don't hear climate change. You don't hear environment. You don't hear anything. Only one of them even mentions that a fuel tax set this off. Remarkable images overseas tonight, the protests gripping Paris. Body cam video showing police rushing to the famous Arc de Triomphe where protesters were vandalizing the monument. Protesters known as Yellow Jackets are angry about rising gas prices and living costs in France. The biggest crisis yet for Emmanuel Macron. The government is considering imposing a state of emergency. Tonight, no end in sight to the turmoil across France, including more confrontations with police. These ambulance drivers today joining the largest anti-government demonstrations here in decades. What began as a protest against President Emmanuel Macron's plan to raise fuel taxes, growing over the weekend into a movement fueled by rage. 
Anger from those who say his policies favor the wealthy. Streets barricaded, cars lit on fire, snipers perched on rooftops. Police body cameras capturing this clash at the Arc de Triomphe. Riot police battling with protesters clad in yellow vests. <laughs> I love it. So they just they just leave it out. So finally, Macron caved. He uh, he has delayed the tax increase for six months. This is the first time he's ever backed down on any of his plans because in France, you know, you're going to deal with rioters because uh, they're basic, they basically feel, don't understand that money has to be made in order to be spread around. So anytime you ask them to work hard or anything like this. But in this case, in this case, this is Macron, the elite little uh, fascination they have with this climate change thing, which is going to have to be solved by technology anyway. I mean, this is the thing about this. It's not that there's no climate change. I, I don't think anybody knows how much uh, of it is caused by human endeavor, but certainly some of it we do pollute, we do uh, change the environment. But but none of these plans, the experts say none of these plans is going to do anything. What really is going to have to happen is there's going to have to be some technological innovations, batteries that store solar power better and things like that that are going to cut this stuff down. All this is is, is virtue signaling. It's virtue signaling on the backs of the poor. That's what it is. It's virtue signaling on the backs of the poor. So finally, Macron uh, blinked. But what I love about this is... Attenborough is in Poland telling people, the people are behind you. Clearly, the people are behind you on the streets, ready to throw you, tar and feather you and throw you into the Seine. And the the networks handle that. They just don't report it. They the, the canal method. They just don't write it. And that way, the voice of the people doesn't exist if you don't hear it. And the other thing, the other subject on which this is true is migration. I, I was that opening I did about the U.N. That is not, I am not joking about this. The U.N. Uh, next week is going to hold this meeting in Marrakesh and they have this global compact on migration. And it's called the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly and Regular Migration. And you can tell by the name of that that it's all about being in favor of migration. The, they pays a little bit of lip, lip service to the sovereignty of the nations who are being swept under by people from failed states. It doesn't pay any attention really to whether they want to keep their culture intact, to whether the, they can handle these people, to whether they can uh, afford to give pe to people who haven't been paying taxes all the services that Western nations provide. They don't talk about that at all. All they really talk about is don't you insult these poor migrants who get to sweep into their country. So essentially, this is the UN saying, all these tyrants who run the UN and tell and spend all their time sitting around going, oh, Israel, I hate Israel. We must pass another resolution against Israel. All these clowns who sit around the UN double parking in Manhattan and then going off to throw their mistresses out the window in some hotel. All these clowns are going to tell the West, oh, yeah. And all these failed states, you just have to take them in. You have to take them in and spend your money on them because these countries are not going to do it. Instead of chasing some of these tyrants and idiots out and establishing the rule of property law, uh, free trade, capitalism, all those things that help people come out of, uh, of poverty. Instead of doing that, they let the tyrants, the madmen run the asylum, and now they want everybody to sign on. And so, of course, in England, something like 40,000 people have already, which I think is the population of England, so have already saw signed a petition uh, against this. And somebody, one of the people, the EU my, migration commissioner, uh, Dimitris Avropomopoulos or something like this, said, he told the uh, a German newspaper he doesn't understand why anybody would oppose the pact because it it's not binding. The pact is not binding. So why wouldn't you sign it? 
which is absurd. If you don't agree with it, why would you sign it? And of course, once you sign it, you accept the terms of the pact, which is that basically migration is a human right and anybody should be able to do it. Here is a, this guy was uh, put on Twitter. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. I couldn't track down his name, but he is an EU uh, uh, MP and he was protesting. They put him on Twitter as if he were supporting this pact, but he's protesting the pact. And he describes what I was talking about in the opening, this, this idea that they're going to simply, they can deal with the voice of the people simply by shutting it down. Here he ex describes it. Participating countries are set to sign this agreement. And although this joint agreement isn't binding, it's still um, meant to be the legal framework on which the participating countries commit themselves to build new legislation. And one basic element of this new agreement is the extension of the definition of hate speech. The agreement want to criminalize migration speech. Criticism of migration will become a criminal offense. And media outlets, and that also concerns you, that give room to criticism of migration can be shut down. The compact for migration is legalization of mass migration. It's declaring migration as a human right. All around the world, anti-immigration groups are rising up. All around the world, nationalist leaders are getting more and more, and nationalist parties are getting more votes. Trump wins in America by promising to build a wall on the border. Angela Merkel is finished in Germany because she let all those people come sweeping in. The people want to protect their nations. They want a right to say who comes into their nations. Even welcoming countries like ours can be taxed beyond our ability to take people in. And the elite hear these voices and they want them to shut up. They are telling you, hey, don't tell us what to do. We're the elites. And the, the way they do it, the guy just described it, they define it as hate speech. And that which brings me to our pals at Apple who are doing exactly that. But first, let us talk about Candid, Candid Co. Have you ever had a problem with your teeth that you've always wanted to get fixed? Here is an option with Candid Co. that can help. You won't need to go through the hassle of long-term treatment or wire braces, and you can do it all from the comfort of your own home. It's this new company. It's called Candid. Candid is helping people gain confidence through accessible and affordable orthodontic care. Candid makes the process of straightening your teeth convenient and easy by having the customer take the process into their own hands. You get straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months, and it costs 65% less than braces. We made Knowles try this out, because I have a gap in my teeth that I actually am fond of. I wanted to keep it, but we made Knowles try it out. And look, I mean, look at the guy. The guy is, is stunningly attractive, handsome guy. So you're one step away from getting straighter, whiter teeth. Take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. Plus, when you use my dedicated link, Candid co.com slash Clavin. You'll save 25% on your modeling kit. That's candidco.com slash Clavin to get 25% off the price of your modeling kit. Candidco.com slash Clavin. You put these braces on, you say, hey, hey, hey. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, received an award from the left-wing Anti-Defamation League, the Courage Against Hate Award. <clears throat> and he declared 
that Apple, which after all are the people who spread the Apple, the apps and the uh, um, all, all so, so much information, their app store and all their, uh, um, uh, you know, the podcasts and things like that that they do. He basically declared that he is in favor. He is one big, just another big corporation in favor of silencing the voice of the people by defining it as hate speech whenever he sees fit. We've got two cuts of him. They're both worth listening to. Let's play cut number one. At Apple, we believe that technology needs to have a clear point of view on this challenge. There is no time to get tied up in knots. That's why we only have one message for those who seek to push hate, division, and violence. You have no place on our platforms. You have no home here. From the earliest days of iTunes, to Apple Music today, we have always prohibited music with a message of white supremacy. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And as we showed this year, we won't give a platform to violent conspiracy theorists on the App Store. So here's the problem, of course. Who defines hate speech? And we know it's the big corporations, and the big corporations are left-wing. You know, the left used to know this. The left used to know that big corporations, corporations are not good or bad, but they are power centers, and power centers have to be diluted. They have to be played off other power centers, and the government, which is a power center, has to play off them as well. The left used to know this, but they have forgotten it because now the corporations are on their side, so they think, hey, we've got the power, so now it must be a good thing. Who decides what hate speech is? Well... Tim Cook has the answer. He decides. Here is he, him telling you that this, I mean, the voice of God speaks to Tim. Let's hear it. My friends, if we can't be clear on moral questions like these, then we've got big problems. At Apple, we are not afraid to say that our values drive our curation decisions. And why should we be? Doing what's right creating experiences free from violence and hate, experiences that empower creativity and new ideas, is what our customers want us to do. I believe the most sacred thing that each of us is given is our judgment, our morality, our own innate desire to separate right from wrong. Choosing to set that responsibility aside at a moment of trial is a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. The voice is speaking to him. That voice is the voice of God. The voice of leftism is the voice of God. If you have that voice inside you, the most sacred thing you have, what, I mean, what about the people who sacredly disagree with him? <clears throat> what about the value of free speech, which is speech that you don't like being allowed to speak? That's the voice. That's the voice inside me. The voice inside me says the right thing to do is to let people speak. The right thing to do is let every voice be heard and trust that the right will win, the right ideas will win. So th this, is, this is the left, this is the left now, the sacred left, telling us 
that their religion is, is so sound that the voice of God speaks through them so well that they can decide what hate speech is. I want to close by uh, reading a little piece of this article that was in the Atlantic Monthly by a left-winger. This is a left-wing lawyer named Joan Williams, and she wrote a piece for the Atlantic, The Democrats' White People Problem. And she starts out by quoting Steve Bannon. And Bannon says, I want the left to be talking about racism every day, because if the left is focused on race and identity and we go with economic nationalism, we can crush the Democrats. And what she says is this is uh, he she feels that this is racist himself. I don't hear Bannon saying that. What I hear Bannon saying is let them get mired in identity politics and we'll talk about the economy, stupid, and and we can win. That's what I hear Bannon saying. But I'm not going to judge. I mean, Bannon has said some things that I found very suspect, but I'm not going to judge. Now, she says, she says Trump is using this by carefully timed injections of racism, the Muslim ban. Okay. Now, let me let me stop and take this. This is the voice, the voice of God talking to this leftist, the Muslim ban. Muslim is not a race. Muslim is a philosophy. It is right now a problematic philosophy with at least we can say a cancer of violence growing in, in it, which turns against other Muslims, as well as Jews, as well as Christians, as well as the West. There is nothing racist about discussing whether we need to uh, hold back on some kind of Muslim immigration or check it more. His shocking comments after the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, I've talked about this a million times. I simply feel when you listen or read the transcript that Trump was talking when he said there are great people on both sides. He meant great people on both sides of the pulling down the statue question, not Nazis. I think that's absurd. His unsolicited advice to the NFL on how to handle player protests. Why is that racist? Why isn't it just respecting the flag and expecting our athletes? And after all, athletics is a national sport. It's a, a national event. Why is that racist? Another, what I'm saying to you is everything she says, she's interpreting through the lens of race, of, of leftism. She has the right to do that. She has the right to see the Muslim ban as racist. But I also have the right to explain to her that it is not racist. And if what, what Tim Cook is saying is no, 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 the, that voice of hers, that is that lens that she is wearing, that is the lens of God. That is the moral lens. And my lens that says, no, I can question the ideas of Islam. No, that's not what Donald Trump said at Charlottesville. No, you cannot, you cannot disrespect the flag and expect me to care about your problems. That has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Zero to do with the color of your skin. My voice is the voice of hate. And they are defining it that way. And what's so interesting about this article is this woman has begun to get it, but not quite. She starts telling people she has been telling people on the left that uh, these these white people who voted for Donald Trump were voting their economic uh, interests. Finally, somebody is saying that she says middle income white people, because remember, a lot of these people voted for Obama. She says they voted for Trump not so much because they liked him, though many did, or because they were racist, though plenty were. How she knows that, I don't know, but she says plenty were. But foremost as an expression of class anger, okay? So she she put out this article and she went around giving speeches to the left saying, no, these people actually, the voice of the people actually have something to say. She said she got questions like this one. Why not just wait for the white working class to die off? 
That was the question she said. And she responded, do you understand now why they voted for Trump? Your attitude is offensive and Trump is their middle finger. Here is a leftist who, for all her prejudice, for all her looking through the lens of leftism, for all her inability to hear what people are saying, here's something, something of the voice of the people. She half gets it because maybe none of it is about race. Maybe none of it. Maybe people want their borders sealed because that's their right is their right to decide who comes in the country. Maybe people want jobs because that gives their lives meaning and they're perfectly happy if the person next to them is another color as long as they both have jobs. Maybe people don't want you to destroy their economy in the name of climate change because they know it won't work, not because they're racist or stupid or anything else. Maybe the voice of the people is the voice you should be listening to instead of Tim Cook's inner voice, which is just his own and just a religious idea that is fake religion, false religion, instead of the true religion, which has sought hard and long for discernment on how to know when that inner voice is the voice of stupidity and when it is, in fact, the voice of God. Maybe instead of silencing the voice of the people, that's the voice you should be listening to. We got Christian Toto. The film critic and one of the few film critics on the right coming up. I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come over to thedailywire.com. You can hear the rest of the show or <laughs> you could subscribe. If you subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month, you can be in tomorrow's mailbag. You know how to do it. Go to the uh, dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, hit the Andrew Claven podcast, hit the mailbag, ask any questions you want, and I will solve all your problems. I mean, it's just amazing that for a lousy 10 bucks a month. All right. Christian Toto is an award-winning journalist, film critic, and podcaster. He's the founder of HollywoodInToto.com, a site I just love because it's not only a uh, look at pop culture from the right, it is an informed look at pop culture from the right, which doesn't happen enough. He's the host of the weekly Hollywood in Toto, H-I-T podcast, which offers a right-of-center perspective, entertainment news. Christian, it's good to see you. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's uh, good to be here. And I, I was all kind of full of optimism towards 2019, and then I heard Tim Cook speak, and it's all out. <laughs> well, this is going to be a good year. They, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, these guys, these guys are really on the warpath, and they do mean to shut us down. Uh, and it's it's dangerous. It really is. Their their certainty, their self certainty, is truly uh, dangerous. I've never quite seen it uh, this bad before. But you kind of wrote you wrote this piece, which I really found fascinating. That basically said that 2018 was a really bad year for the right and the culture. Do you? How do you, why do you say that? Well, I mean, it's on a couple of fronts. You look at late night TV. We know what it is. We know what it does. We know what it says. It gets worse. It gets more toxic. It gets more, more vicious. There's that. I, I, you know, I look at some of the films that came out this year, including Gosnell, which you had a significant hand in, and it made about $3.6 million. Now it's a small, small film with a small, small marketing budget. And actually by all those measures, it did very well. But you would think a movie like that, with with a lot of conservative-leaning actors, with a, a story that's certainly faith-friendly, you think it would be big, huge, that people would rally around it. And the same goes to Ch- for Chappaquiddick with uh, the Ted Kennedy movie. It was terrific. It was yeah, a was really a good, good film. It's probably yeah. the best of the year. And uh, it made about under $20 million. If conservatives don't rally to see films like this, which have 
if not their entire message, a part of their message, then we're in trouble. We have to kind of support these pop culture moments. So one of the things about Gosnell is it was like the Gosnell trial itself. It was basically boycotted by the left, which is the most of the cultural mm-hmm. venues. I mean, it wasn't reviewed at all. When it was reviewed, it was clearly at one point, I think it was the Washington Post. I may be wrong about that, but it, it was uh, reviewed by somebody who obviously hadn't seen it. They went out of their way to say that it was gory, which it purposely was not. I know I wrote it. It was not gory. Uh, hmm. and, and they went out of their way to ignore it the, the way they went out of the way to ignore the trial because they didn't want people uh, thinking, oh, maybe abortion is not such a good idea. And yet you're saying the problem is on the right. You feel the problem is more on the right than it is on the left? Oh, no, it's all over. I, I just yeah, I'm, That's okay. just one example of why 2018 didn't work out <laughs> the way it should have been. When you've got a movie like Gosnell, which is terrific, and I'm not kissing up, it's a very good movie. And we don't rally around that. We don't make that a cause right. lab. We don't say, hey, Hollywood, if you don't make more of these movies, we'll work around the system and we'll make them successful on our own. And just a quick note about the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for Gosnell. I talk to a lot of PR people. Um, they want me to review their movies. I get pitches from them. That's perfectly fine. They desperately, desperately want those reviews to air the first week that the movie comes out because that's the moment. That's sort of that critical juncture where if a lot of people are talking about right. it, it could get more attention. So not only are the amount of reviews on, of Gosnell and Rotten Tomatoes small now, the week it opened, it was almost like it was between three and six. And a normal movie would be hundreds, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. So that's, <laughs> the, I mean, a few a few reviews have trickled in between now, between then and now. But when it really mattered, they were absent. Yeah. And that, that does c- count. I mean, I, the, the time I wrote a novel, Empire of Lies, the first novel I wrote that was openly conservative, the number of re- views I went, I got went from something like two to three hundred to one. And in that one, <laughs> I was called in mainstream venues. And in that one, I was called something like a right wing lunatic. So, I mean, they actually do ignore things. And you talk about the blacklist. Now, the, there certainly has been a gray list. I know that it, it has cost me a bundle of work to be as outspoken as I am. Uh, no question about it. Um, you know, James Woods uh, obviously lost his agent over this. And uh, and John Voight, who's been outspoken, has spoken. To, I, I know personally that he has spoken to other uh, people in Hollywood saying, keep it, keep it down, you know, because uh, they will punish you. But you think the blacklist is getting worse. Yeah, well, two stories recently just shocked me. And they were both in The Hollywood Reporter, which is a major entertainment site. Yep. One of the one of the biggest. And the most recent one really kind of chilled me. It's about a new movie coming soon that is critical of Planned Parenthood. Now, last time I checked, you can be critical or in favor of Planned Parenthood. That's okay. But the story said, and it kind of mentioned it in a very offhand way, like, oh, by the way, they had to shoot it in secret because it was being critical of Planned Parenthood. Could you imagine that? You have to shoot something in secret because your opinion doesn't collect and doesn't unify with Hollywood. So to do it, you got to be on the sneak. And something similar happened with the Roe v. Wade movie. Now, I don't know if these movies are good or bad. I don't care. Yeah. But if you've got an opinion and you can't share it, that's a problem. You know, uh, my friend Obian Uju uh, Ikeochi, who I always call Uju because I can't pronounce her name, but she is a, uh, an African. Uh, she she lives in, in London now, but she is a, uh, a, a fighter f- against abortion in Africa and basically puts forward the idea that 
Europeans and white leftists are imposing abortion on a culture that simply doesn't want it. Uh, today, she was censored on both Facebook and Twitter, which is, is insane that the white poobahs of Facebook and Twitter are telling this black African woman that she can't speak for her culture uh, uh, if she is going to speak against abortion. Obviously, abortion is something they have to protect with silence because once you start talking about it, uh, it's impossible to defend. Uh, what about what about social media? I mean, is that that's is that part of this, too? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing people like you just said, examples where they're not doing anything wrong, per se. They're not saying you need to burn someone's house down. They're not being yeah. vicious or vile, giving personal information out, things that you think, OK, it is a public <coughs> platform. That's that's crossing an obvious line. But uh, I, I know a comedian here in Denver, Steve McGrew. He got kicked off recently. Do we know why? Often we don't. Mm. Twitter is very opaque with their rules. And uh, we're seeing it time and time again. People get, you know, I had a story recently in my site about how, hey, Twitter, what about these celebrities? I mean, Bette Midler just fantasized about the Trump family getting hanged for their crimes or their alleged crimes. you got Tom Arnold, who is an absolute nightmare <laughs> on social media, who, you know, doesn't have a bustling career, but whatever he has there's no punishment there. Right. I mean, we see it time and time again. And things that have been said by celebrities about the president. I mean, how many times is the Secret Service going to knock on someone's door? Right. You know, Mr. Arnold, Mr. Johnny Depp, Mr. Uh, Madonna, uh, Miss Madonna. What's going on here? Yeah. And yet we see all that rage and hate directed in ways that seems absolutely against the policies that Twitter has. And there's never a punishment. No, it's all it's all on one side. And they've gotten very arrogant about it. They've gotten, you know, uh, that guy, Jesse Cook, who I think his name was, who was the radio uh, host who got knocked off. Jesse Kelly, I think it was. Jesse Kelly, sorry, sorry. Absolutely right. Um, But, you know, they they were so arrogant until they were called out by the government, basically, and then they uh, backed down. But I think the government's going to have to get into this because they are really uh, censoring people. So what do we do? What's are you? You said you started out by saying you were looking forward to 2019. You thought it might be better. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we still have some elements of social media. I can post something on YouTube. I can do something on Facebook and people, there's a good chance they'll see it. Yeah. And it could go viral if the message really kind of concentrates and really matters to people. You know, there are some great podcasts in there. The work that you do There's a new show called Red Pilled America. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's terrific. It's kind of like NPR for the right. And how much how much do we need something like that? Good production values. Uh, well thought out. It's interesting. Uh, a, a sort of a libertarian comedian named Andrew Heaton has a new podcast called Something's Off. So we do still have the majority of these platforms. We haven't been kicked out yet. There are ominous signs and that arrogance really kind of scares me. But uh, we need to kind of leverage all these platforms to spread the word. You know, we see so much bias in the media. And I go on my Twitter feed and all I see is conservative shaming reporters and shaming them and pointing the double standards where the Associated Press had a backtrack on a on an obituary for President Bush yeah. because it was so pathetic and so one-sided and so cruel. It took them two days to do it, but they did it. And that's because you and I and everyone else there shamed them and showed them how ridiculous it was. So yeah. what, we what, have to stay what, active. We have to be activists. What about at the movies? Do you think there's any chance? I mean, are they so insulated now when i say movies i mean movies and tv are they so insulated now that they're not going to serve 64 million people who voted for donald trump they're just going to let let that money uh lie on the ground (laughs) there's a lot of money on the table across the board do you think they'd have one late night comic who is at least center right unbelievable one just give me one that's all we want yep that person that guy or gal would be a superstar Uh, it's it's amazing every night even if they're moderately funny Uh, (laughs) yeah it's hard 
You know, I just watched this generic horror movie. Um, it's coming out in a few weeks called Monster Party. And in it, there's a Trump little kind of dig at Trump out of the blue, apropos of nothing. But that's where we are because Hollywood is obsessed. You read the Twitter feeds of celebrities. They can't they can't take a step without thinking about how much they hate Trump and how much they have to tell you that they hate Trump. So from a content creation point of view, we've got to work out of that system, which is what Gosnell did. Yeah, it didn't it didn't go straight straight through the traditional media outlets. It went around it. So it's still possible. It's just much, much harder. Yeah. Well, I think Trump as a uh, real estate mogul has done a good job of uh, taking up space in their heads uh, <laughs> for free. Christian Toto, great to see you. Uh, Hollywood in Toto. Really check out the site, hollywoodintoto.com. Can, will that take them to your uh, podcast as well? I've got a link right at the top of the page for the podcast. Okay. So it's pretty, it's pretty there. So they can, they can do both. Okay, great. Well, have a, have a great holiday and I'll see you next year. Thank you. You too. Bye. Uh, sexual follies. So yesterday I was talking about the effect of, of politicizing sexual scandal so that only right wingers basically are, are, pay the price for sexual things that they do, uh, for mean things that they do, and how that really makes it, puts right-wingers in a position where they start to say, well, if you're not going to punish Bill Clinton for 40 years, you know, then I'm not, we're not going to punish our guys either. We're not going to care either. And it really does hurt the culture. So Michael Avenatti today announced that he was not going to run in 2020. He's charged with, I believe it's misdemeanor, now misdemeanor, uh, sexual assault. And he decided this was going to he was going to give up. But Politico did everything they could to save him with an article, just a hilarious article trying to make him the sympathetic character. This is by Natasha Korecki. Uh, it's called He's Going. Oh, Michael Alvinati. He's a guy who's accused of smacking around his girlfriend. Right. He, he's going through a pretty tough time. Avenatti crash numbers. You know, I got to read some of this. I want to read it. I need, I need like a little sad violin music. Do we have sad violin music? That perfect. That's perfect. Michael Avenatti's cable TV bookings have dwindled. He was uninvited from one prominent Democratic event and skipped out on another. He has even publicly clashed with his highest profile client, Stormy Daniel, in just a matter of weeks. A matter of weeks, Avenatti's fortunes have taken a nosedive, rapidly downshifting him from 2020 presidential prospect to political pariah. After a recent domestic violence arrest in Los Angeles and a public rift with Stormy Daniels over fees and legal strategy, even some of his most loyal supporters are questioning <laughs> whether he could survive the latest round of challenges and be a viable candidate. Could he survive? I thought his, you know, his campaign slogan was going to be, she hit me first. So, <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who's accused of beating up his girlfriend. Just imagine for one minute if this was Donald Trump accused of slapping Melania, if this was anybody on the right accused of anything. Just listen. as a friend, I'm concerned about him. When I call him to say, hey, how are you doing? It's pretty obvious he's going through a pretty rough time now. I'm more worried about these pending charges. Domestic abuse, that's pretty bad for a run for president. It's all 
Oh, that's all right. Kill the violin. I can't cry anymore for Michael Avenatti. So he's announced that he's out. And I guess at Politico, they're wearing black today. Unbelievable. The mailbag is tomorrow. Get your questions in now. I'll answer as many as I can. My answers are guaranteed 100% correct. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018. Hey guys, today over on the Matt Wall Show, we're going to talk about Tumblr deciding to ban all pornography on its platform. And also a new and terrifying report published this week reveals some of the horrible effects that porn has on children. Also, a man wants to legally change his age and the left is now convinced that the Little Mermaid encourages sexual assault. So come on over, tune in and we'll, uh, we'll talk about all that on the Matt Wall Show.